you're here and I'm glad you came. Welcome to my bestie life. If we haven't met before, hi, I'm AJ, a trauma anxiety life coach. I'll help you turn your pain into your power. And my buddy Allie is a weight loss, health and wellness mindset coach. So together we've got you covered. We're here in the trenches, authentically us, bringing clarity, strategy, and a whole lot of love to life's biggest challenges. Buckle up babies, no subject is off limits. you're here. It is Sunday morning, back on regular schedule, which is absolutely lovely. And before Allie hops on, I have a question for you. Don't worry, it's an easy question. What is your favorite dessert? (laughs) What is your favorite dessert? What is the thing that you get really excited for and you could have just every day? For me, my favorite dessert is raspberries with fresh cream or any sort of summer fruit with fresh cream and a little bit of sugar on it. Allie's going to hop on here too. <clears throat> so yeah, let me know what your favorite dessert is. And I, I was thinking this last week on how we almost treat joy or incorporating happiness into our day-to-day life as dessert. Oops. Invite Allie to join. Hi. Okay, good. Sorry, it just takes a second sometimes to get the other person on here. Hello. Hi. Ooh. Hi. <laughs> Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. So what <laughs> is your favorite dessert? Me? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Oh, uh, you know me, I love dessert, but um, I would have to say that my like ultimate favorite is um, like a Briar's Vanilla Bean ice cream with, with dark chocolate chips all through. Ooh, so classic, so classic. <laughs> I tend it's, to it's go really, caramel over chocolate myself, but that is just classic summer decadence. But I can't, I, but these days though, too, I find like a good, um, to substitute that because I can get myself in a whole lot of trouble with uh, vanilla ice cream and chocolate chips because there's no end. It's like <laughs> the bottomless carton of ice cream. So my favorite right now is... Um, Costco has these like fudge bars and fudge bars remind me of when I was a kid and I love them Mm. and, uh, they're, they're just the right kind of chocolate. See, you're caramel and I'm chocolate. Um, (laughs) we go so well together. We absolutely (laughs) do. Well, the reason why I was asking and I was asking, um, whoever is joining us today, just write down below what your favorite dessert is. Because I was thinking so often we treat our joy and our happiness and our me time like the dessert of life. We Mm. save it until last. If I'm a good girl, maybe I'll take some me time. If I'm a good girl, maybe I'll have fun. You know, like how we were taught to treat dessert as children. And so I like how you were bringing up that that was your favorite um, thing as a kid. What are your thoughts on that? How does that land with you? I think that um, joy as 
an adult, I think you are a hundred percent, thousand percent right, is that um, we come last, right? And I think that, um, and it's interesting because we're, uh, we're talking about joy and ego. And mm. it's really, really interesting because I was, I was looking up ego and the literal translation of ego is I. It is I. And egotism, to be egotistical about something, and it's so funny because it has such a negative, negative attachment to that word, and yet to be egotistical is to actually pursue one's own concern, right? Is, is to focus on oneself is egotism. And... Um, yet we, it's a dirty, it's a dirty word. And, and also on the flip side of that, that joy, it's also a luxury, right? Is that instead, like, like you're talking about that dessert, do we need dessert? No, we don't need dessert. That's a treat. That's a luxury, right? Where not everyone has that. And like, when we see kids, like they're just, they're pure joy. They do things because of egotism, right? I, I, I. And we, we do, as parents, try to teach them to uh, pay attention to other people as well. Um, but I think we lose something in that, especially, and I, I don't know about you, but, uh, like, I'm, I'm not a guy. So I don't know if it's very, very prominent for women, right, that uh, we, we've talked about this before, that suffrage, like, everyone comes before me. And I think that we feel like we haven't earned it or that we don't deserve it or whatever it is, it is to be at the front of the bus is to maybe do the things that we enjoy first. It's like eating dessert first, like doing those joyful things now um, because it really does bring life, doesn't it? Bring life back into um, when we're feeling really frustrated. Like I, I think like if we just took a moment to look at the ego, to look at I, and say, what do I need? What do I need right now? And I think everybody needs a little bit of joy. Well, when we, everybody is thinking about ego as the I, you cannot separate the I from your experience as a human being. That's madness. And even when we over separate, like putting everyone else first, there's still, it's like this reverse ego. It, yeah. It's still really focused on self. And then that's where yeah. resentment comes in. But that I is a part of our experience, regardless of however you cut this cake, so to speak. We are, we are our own companions through life the whole time. So how do we deal with this, this I, the needs of I? And I think that is serving the ego in a healthy way. When we invite the ego alongside of us, there's power there and power to do beautiful things. Like on the personal level, on the family level, and on the community level, we need that power of I am. That I am-ness to take with us. Yeah, and I think that um, to to look at what do I need, and I think that's different than what do I want, right? And because uh, you were you were kind of talking about um, a few weeks ago about kind of that list, right? That list of uh, categorizing the things of what you have to do within that day, and. And I think that, like, a lot of times when we don't address our needs because we feel like our needs are luxury, 
rather than that, that mental well housekeeping that we need to have in order to function, right? To get the things done that we need to do, we, we have to take care of the things that we need, even if they, if they seem frivolous, because they're not like sleep, right? We, we, things that we, we, we think, oh, I can do without that, or I don't need that when, you know, that sleep, which can seem like a luxury, I have too much to do, this, that, it, it is, it is like there's an invisible line that is attached from your brain uh, to that rest. And whatever your rest might be, whether it's, you know, your rest might be going for a run, your rest might be getting a pedicure. Your rest might be taking, stop doing what you're doing and get on the floor and play with your kid or your dog or whatever that makes you, like, AJ, when was the last time that you laughed so hard that you cried? Oh, I don't know. Maybe a few days ago. I've been having such a good time with the kid at home. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not, it's never enough, is it? And then we also have this glorification of like the, the over push, right? Like it's not working the way I want to. So I'm going to push, push, push harder. And then we have a society <laughs> that burnout is yeah. so completely common. It's, it's yeah. way too common. And then when we address our needs, like even when you're looking at, okay, so why am I pushing so hard? What am I going for? And then this is one exercise I've been doing with, with some of my clients because like the affirmations don't really feel real if they don't feel you can access them. You're like, uh, yeah, I want this or I feel like I want to be this, but that feels so far away from me right now. So just kind of breaking that down of like, well, why do I want to be physically fit? What would that make me feel? And then connecting that joy feeling, like how will that make me feel safer, happier, healthier, whatever, and then creating those into I am statements. That's maybe a little bit of a tangent, but it, my brain just went there. <laughs> oh, well, totally. Because I mean, that's directly attached to joy is understanding. And I know like as, as a health and wellness and weight loss coach, I think when we first show up for ourselves, the immediate reason, and, and I know that mine was vanity, right? Um, I, you know, when I wanted to come in and seek out wellness, it was about weight loss for me. And because it was devastating where I was inside my brain, but it wasn't, it wasn't the weight that wasn't healthy. Right. It was here. It was here. And so one of the things that I'm really, really, focused on for for my own journey uh, as well as my clients as well is like you gotta enjoy the ride right just because you aren't at that place yet and this is where you know the ego and the joy they're all scrambled up because we don't feel like we should get to enjoy the ride and then you know it should be like all in once we get there right but I think that there's something really magic about people who can, um, and this is this this last year has been something um, that has enabled me to really let go of jealousy. And I wouldn't I wouldn't proclaim that I am an overly jealous person, but I think when I really looked at it, I am. I think that I have looked at other people's journeys and how beautiful other people's lives look 
And I found myself being very angry and jealous about why I wasn't going faster and why it didn't look the same way and why it wasn't working for me and all of this stuff. And when I really broke it down of like what bothered me, it was, it was jealousy and it was my inability to celebrate other people's success because I felt like that made me a failure. And this last year of being able to celebrate other people's success, like in such a big way was like breaking the chains on me. It didn't mean that where I was, I was like, okay, you know, screw it, fuck it, I'm done. I'm just going to be the way that I am. It was, it was more that I was like, hey, I still have goals and I still get to do there. And I get to cheer on everyone else who's doing this because there's, there's enough for everybody. There's celebration for everyone. And, yeah, and that's the key, like finding how jealousy is your teacher. It's being willing to learn the lesson. <laughs> a a green-eyed monster. And, like, talk about ego. And, like, this is a different version of ego is to why, why does it make me feel bad seeing somebody else succeed or, like, really, really do well? And it wasn't about not looking at those people anymore or turning it off or unfollowing them and being like, well, you make me feel bad. Um, it was, for me, it was about, looking at myself and being like, what is it about them that makes me feel afraid about my life? Or what and, is it showing you that you want for your life? Yeah. <laughs> or that I feel like I, I can't have. And, and then look at that deeper and say, well, what is it about that thing that, and, and how, what does that look like in my life? Because it, it looks totally different in everyone else's life. And we always do put our best makeup picture forward right when we show up like we're not we don't we don't come on here looking like a hot mess maybe we should maybe that should be one of our <laughs> bestie life one of like how terrible can we look like let's let's go for a <laughs> do a party night have makeup smeared all over and see how terrible can we look and and just kind of like <laughs> well you know what that makes me think of um a lot of those catfish makeup tutorials where women come on and you know they're blatant blotchy and they're they're as they are just as they wake up fresh faced and then they put their makeup on and I think part of the reason why this is such a phenomenon is that we love to watch the transformation and so I think just going off of that that jealousy theme of like finding the transformation of like when we feel this emotion and it's so intense because they have what we want and it looks like it's so easy for them then it's, it's so, so good and so good and so we good. Feel, and it feels so far away so we want to focus on the transformation and allow ourselves to enjoy the ride because I think that was a beautiful key that you were saying like when we enjoy the ride there's also, we're less likely to get off of the ride if we're having fun. Yes. In and you country. know what? Way more people want to join the team <laughs> when you are having fun. Like you think of it as possible. But that's the thing. When we normalize, when like, and this is really about normalizing what real life actually looks like. And, uh, and you know, as coaches, like AJ, you and I are really, really honest about our struggles <laughs> like what sucks and stuck and how we feel. But I think that there's, there, there is joy within that hard work. And I think that um, knowing that we can do hard things and being able to like put like right now, 
you know uh, that I've been like really upping my activity and like pushing myself and utilizing other people within my life to help that. And it's un- like, and you, you've talked about this before, like that discomfort, which is not pain. Yes. Which is not danger, danger. And I think that they're uh, learning to be able to find the joy in that discomfort is really off-putting. And it's really weird because the situation doesn't change. The, the person doesn't change. It's, it's only in my head. And you realize, like, the amount that we hold ourselves back when, when we believe something is true or not true. And, yeah. like, and that's really where that ego and that joy of, like, why can't I see the joy in someone in this person's success in their story and what they're doing is that the minute that I change the lens, the minute I see it from a different perspective, it almost, it gives me permission to enjoy where I am. It's Mm. amazing. And it's just such a, and, and nothing changes, but inside your head. And that is not an easy thing to do. Changing our mindset is, is not an easy thing to do, but also recognizing that our ego tells us that, you know, it's, it's that little voice being like, oh, well, you should be there, or you should be there, or, oh, look at that. Do you think she should be wearing that? And like all those little things that you've heard before in your head, and it's, it's not that they will ever go away. It's just that we, you know, who we want to show up and the person that we want to be needs to be louder than those voices. And And we need to include more other healthier voices that come more often. So the volume does, we can and should turn the volume down on those, those voices because we'll feel better and we'll stay on that ride longer. (laughs) (laughs) For anyone who's just joining right now, we are not talking about ghosts. (laughs) The the voices, the voices. (laughs) No, we're talking about the inner critic. (laughs) Sorry, I thought that was really funny. No, inner critic. And like, there are different tools and techniques we can do. But I think that that was a really good point, how we can be in the same situation and we either like say a prayer or do something fun or connect with somebody who really hears us. And then we go back to that same situation and it feels dramatically different. And that's just absolutely amazing. And that is the key to, to keep at it, to keep going and to, and to reparent ourselves in a way we can stay in there. Reparent ourselves being, meaning like switching the tone of that inner critic. Yeah. And that just practice, 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 practice. Sometimes I even imagine a stop sign. When I hear that, I just imagine a stop sign just to like, like. What a good visual. Yeah. yeah, you're like, hey, stop. Nope. And, and do you know that, that, do you know what's really interesting? So, um, AJ, you know me, uh, and, and y- you and I are very similar when we're out and about. Um, and where we, we, we say hello to people, right? We're, we're that, you know, we're talking to dogs and babies and people and, you know, socially distanced, of course, right now. <laughs> um, still. Um, but the, there is an inherent physical and verbal reaction that people have to kindness and to joy. And the, the, one of the real things that I can see is when we're out walking and stuff like that, even the most person that's concentrating, the moment that you look them in the eye and you go, hello, do you know what they do? They respond in kind. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? And the thing is, is that they, I would say that that's like 99.9% true. 
for every single time that you respond to somebody in kindness, like when you initiate that, they will respond to you in such. And so I think that, goodness me, in a world that is filled with just negativity, because it's comforting. We know it. We understand what negativity is and like uh, love sitting in it. We love gossip. We love all that stuff. But the minute that you see somebody like walk through and they're smiling and having a great day and your eye follows them and you're like, whoa, whoa, what is that? And I think the more that we are able to tap into that, it doesn't mean you can't have a shitty day. It doesn't mean that. But I think that, you know, it really is the yin and the yang because we've, we've, we've stopped playing as adults. Like that whole theory, like, oh, grow up, you know, time to put childish things away. Well, no, 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 <laughs> I don't want it. to. It's absolutely magnetic. It, you and, attract and, more like it. So when we start to build up that joy, like even as an intention, even if it feels weird when we start doing it, it becomes easier and we will attract more and more joy. <laughs> at, what point, at what point did you transition from um, when you felt proud as it being a negative thing to a positive thing? When did that change for you, AJ? Like, like, cause I think we're told like, oh, don't, you know, don't brag, don't, you know, and that feeling of being proud of what we've accomplished and done, just proud of something. Um, was that ever something that was negative for you? Yeah. And in fact, I think my tipping point was when I realized that being overly humble was still being overly proud. Then it's just like, fuck it. Might as well be proud of and stand strong with what I actually believe in, with who I am, who I fought to be. But like that right. over focus on being so humble and such a martyr, that's still, that's still such pride, right? Like that saying there's only one way to do this and that <laughs> there's only one way to be. That, that was still, for me, it was so striking that that was, that was still pride. And it kind of tipped the scales for me in a very real way. I know I tend to come th from things with a philosophical point of view, but yeah. it was more like I had one person in my life that was very specific of like, this is the only way to live. This is the only way to worship. This is the only way to be. And this is the most humble way. And then I was like, wait a second. <laughs> is no. that why... Is that why God made so many different people? <laughs> it's because there was only one way. It, that's so funny. <laughs> yeah, and it was all under this this guise of humility, and and it really got me thinking of well, what it really is humility, humility versus being a humble person, and being Ooh, humble yeah. is being fully aware of who you are right now, and that. But yeah, and and is that is that being humble? Is there an inner critic when you see other people that aren't like you? I find that 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 there is that. Yeah, what you're talking about is I I there I've seen that too within within my childhood as well, that, that very pious, that very, um, you know, it's almost like you're angry because you're so, <laughs> you're, you're modest and humble. And there's a resentment that comes with that because, and I think that when we are pushed down and not told, and the, th the thing is, is that it's like, so you don't want people to brag. Why? Why? And this goes back to what I was talking about is that jealousy, that jealousy that we feel when we see, oh, Billy, don't go outside with the ice cream. The other kids don't have one. 
kind of thing of being like, because we want to, well, why do you get to have that? And there are lessons to be learned within there that, you know, and being able to recognize that and say, you know, why are we, why are we handing out every, yay, you get a ribbon, everybody participates instead of the kids who really earned that put the ribbon. Extra effort in and did the work. Right. I, I, I think that we give a false sense of ego to, to a generation of people because we've all told them, oh, everybody's great. Everyone's equal. And that's not the real world. And I think that instead that, you know, dialing it back and, and because that ribbon doesn't mean anything to them. They didn't have to do anything. It has no, it has no particular thing about them. And I think that looking at how people are unique and celebrating them rather than giving a blanket, oh, thanks for showing up. It doesn't recognize anybody. It doesn't, it doesn't say anything about that person. It's confusing value with accomplishment. Yes. They're two very different things. We all have value, but we, we sometimes um, circumvent our own accomplishments because we feel fearful of how other people are going to react. Like if I get really successful in, in, I don't know, whatever area, like say I just ran my marathon and I don't want to brag about my time or I don't want to say my time because I'm worried how other people are, are going to be jealous. Well, that kind of shoots my own success in the foot too. Like, and, and my accomplishments never devalue who another person is. Your yeah. accomplishments never devalue who I am. Those are two separate things. But it's also like when we, when we say, oh, you're really valued, but we don't explain why. Mm. There's an, there is an emptiness that is somebody is left with. And we wonder why, like, there's so much anger. It's like, well, you were told that you were, that you were good. Well, did you tell me what I was good at? Were you specific with that? And I think that that everybody is, is very different. But I think honing in on the, on, the, on the specifics, like everybody is so different that we can't, we can't be just, oh, you know, high five, you're good. Well, you're good at what? And I think that that's where when we know and teaching our children to, to really hone in on what they're good at and to know and to feel proud about what they're good at because Otherwise, they're getting this empty blanket compliment from people who don't really know them. And that, that feeling has to come from inside us, right? Know what we're good at. And you know what? Feeling proud and standing up and being like, yeah, I accomplished this. There is a real difference between wagging it in somebody's face because you know yeah. that they want it and you got it instead of them. There is, that is a real difference between standing up and being like, I feel really proud about the work that I have put in. And I think that having that switch um, to come back to sense of self, right? And it, but that, like, when we decide that we are able to stand within our accomplishments and feel proud, it brings up another platform for that person standing next to you to do the same thing. Yeah. And then as we celebrate our own wins and each other's wins, we're more likely to get more. I, I love that how you were bringing in kids into that because, you know, if you've ever um, mentored another kid or been with another kid and you say to them, well, I'm proud of you, they'll call you on that. They'll be like, why? Why? <laughs> why? And you do need to be very specific. Like, what are you proud of them for? And then we can separate that as parents and mentors into value-based and accomplished-based. And even when we do accomplished-based, like say you're, you're like, oh, I'm proud of you for that drawing. You've been working on that for an hour. And then they'll go, 
well, why? And then you just need to be very specific of like, oh, I like the shading or the color. And it doesn't matter, you know, if they're one or if they're 13, like it's all the same. We want to be very specific on to what we're proud of them for. And we need I'm, to do that for ourselves. That's what I was going to get to. You're beating me to the punch on that one. <laughs> totally. Because I think that, um, that getting really specific and knowing what we are really good at especially when we have a setback, when we're feeling uh, like we're not where we should be or that we're having a bad week or anything. I think that having, having that less list and knowing and even saying it out loud to ourselves, right? Whether it's in the mirror or anything, all the things that we are, things that we're good at, that, that we are and using that I am statement, right? That uh, because you're frozen, so I can't really... Oh. Am I back? Yes. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, that, that I am statement, that's actually something I, I, it's an exercise I do as part of one of my courses with my clients is the mythology of self. Because we are going to have times where things just get really hard. We are going to have times when we have setbacks and there are going to be times where we miss our goals and just don't bring it. And when that happens, it's really easy to hear that inner critic because that inner critic will get loud. And that's when it's so, so important to look at those wins and to be like, I did this. I came from here. This is what I've done in the past. I know that I can do more in the future. Yes. And um, I'm somebody who, who, who believes in everything happens for a reason. I, I, I believe that life is very serendipitous. And mm -hmm. so it, in those moments, I think when we have that, that perspective, that big picture perspective, um, when we can think about, you know, if we're not where we're supposed to be at this point, well, maybe we're not supposed to be here. I'm gonna get, I'm gonna give you an example of that that happened to me, which was like a huge clusterfuck that happened to me. So I go to Costco, and uh, I go look in my wallet. Okay, my membership's not there. Okay. Uh, super weird. So I go back and I get in the car and I go back home and I look through the van because I used it at a car wash. Okay, what's going on? What's going on? And I'm searching everywhere, everywhere, right? In the van, I'm searching in bags. I've looked through my wallet five times. So I end up calling, um, calling the credit card company and canceled my card. And then I take all of my card, lo and behold, it's there. Like it's there, it's literally in my wallet and I've searched it five times. So I'm going through and I'm going through and I was just like, I called them back and they're like, nope, okay, we're, gonna, we're sending you a new one, you can't reinstate it. So I go back to Costco and I, I ran into an old friend, uh, somebody that really needed to talk to me mm -hmm. and I needed to see her. And it was one of those things and I took that moment, I said, you know what? I said, Marilyn, I tried to come here and I canceled my card. And I, I just said, you know what? It was, it was because I needed to come back and see you. And it was really weird because it took like that kind of frustrating moment and be like, oh. And the minute that we, whether you believe that that's serendipitous or true or not, that brought joy to me is that, you know, I couldn't find my Costco card so that I had to come back to Costco later so I could run into my friend and have like a really good conversation. And I do think that life is like that. That's like a small example of some of the things that can be really frustrating. And maybe that credit card uh, is something way bigger in your life, but there's something on the other end of it um, that is pushing you in a certain direction. 
and or you're not ready there or you, there's something else that you need to learn um and uh and and that's where we kind of come back to enjoying the ride right mm -hmm. is understanding that that growth and that hard point and that discomfort like they're all they're leading somewhere else because what do you always say to me like you like there is no change without some kind of discomfort yes is right so um and and enjoying those moments and having fun along the way because you're still you you're not going to be more you at the end you might be more confident you might be feel like more like yourself more genuine but you're still you now you're still you and bringing in that meaning like in the in the little frustrating moments like losing your Costco card or even in the big life frustrating moments where you know you're going something you're going through something with your kid or with your partner it doesn't matter but when we bring the meaning to it then we we make sense of it in a new way. We learn the less learn the lesson, but it also brings joy. It's like my sorrows aren't for nothing. My frustration isn't for nothing. It has meaning. Yeah. It has purpose. And, and that it helps us rest in the joy. Yeah, and the thing is, is that I think that joy also teaches us how to be sad. Hmm. I think I think that because right, some of our reactions to being sad is to. Uh, push it down, band-aid, eat food, alcohol, drugs, cigarettes, whatever, whatever it is to calm down, distract yourself. Um, but when we learn to experience joy and be in the moment, um, we're in the moment. That's a feeling, right? And so I think that it's when we are able to sit in our feelings more, it allows us to sit in all of our feelings rather than you know, to cope and deal. And once we have a better perspective, right, there's that healthy balance, right? Is that we, yeah, we're going to feel sad. Things are going to feel hard. Uh, we're going to cry. Um, but it's better that we let it out. We let it out and we have those feelings um, and be around people that aren't afraid of your feelings um, is a really good thing too, because I think as humans, right, is that we see somebody crying and we instantly go, oh, don't cry. How can I make you feel better? Instead of, um, wait a minute, like what's going on? Tell me the story as to why you're feeling sad. Um, and sometimes people need to talk about it because it's not my job to fix you. It's my job to listen. Absolutely. And one of the biggest things in grief work, uh, when we all need to approach grief work at some point in our lives, is that it's really just showing us the depth of love, the depth of attachment that we've had for that, whatever it is that we have lost. And that's profound. And that also brings meaning to that experience of like, no, the reason why I'm sad now is that there was joy here. The reason that I'm sad now is because there was love here. Yes. Yes. I, you bring up a really good thing. And I think that um, there is that moment, <laughs> that moment inside yourself. I'm never going to love again. This hurts <laughs> too much. But the pendulum swings, right? Is that when we, the extreme happiness and at the loss of that feeling of that. But I think that it's, isn't that an indicator that it, it, it exists? It, it's there and that we can have it. And, and so seeking out those things, and I think that doing things that bring you joy, I, 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 the ego joy, right? And so, and, and do, being able to do that yourself, 
right? Seeking out those things um, that are that are those quiet moments or those loud screaming, singing in the kitchen moments that that don't involve anyone else. I think that that's really important too. It's not all about giving to others because that can feel very very joyful too. But really dialing it back to the ego, to the I, to me. Yeah, is, and then is, your joy is not contingent contingent on that person giving it to you it's also water along the way too like your joy will sustain you when you're just you know your kids going through something or your job is really difficult for a season those types of joy are going to sustain you just like drinking water throughout the day planning that time in for yourself so how important how important is that to you Oh, you know what? I've had to learn my lessons the hard way. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's really my family has had to learn that lesson the hard way. But Allie's then, not nice. But the meaning behind that is now I know. I know that if I don't plan in those joy moments, I literally will burn out and be useless. And you hit a breaking point, and you don't need to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it can just, the whole experience can be one of fun and growth and learning. It's yeah. it's like when, when kids are exploring, like toddlers, like they, they're just like, well, what is this? How can I break it? <laughs> it's all fun yeah. and exploration as they learn and grow. We are designed and, and then, to learn through play. And then they go, go, go. And then they're like, okay, I got a nap. I got to rest. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that their rest uh, might be our joy right? Is they find re-energizing yourself because that is what joy does. It fills up your cup. That is the things that you love to do. And I think that that's going to change over time, but like really putting it out there. And I, I just want to challenge everyone who might be watching is, is to really think about what do you love? What do you love? And, and again, what like AJ brings up such a good point about that. It's not contingent on anybody else. Something that is yours. And that if is you're yours. at burnout, you may not know. So just like that toddler, you're going to have to explore. Sleep. <laughs> you're going to have to sleep. sleep. <laughs> so if, you're, if you're coming back from burnout, and this is what I have done, I found like there's two different streams of joy or, or ways to refuel yourself to come back. And one is like pa- passive and one is active. So passive will be like, you know, scrolling on social media on things that actually like make you feel good. Right? Like so Pinterest, gardening. Pinterest, Pinterest yeah. all that kind of stuff. <laughs> or reading or meditating or sitting down or watching a movie, anything that doesn't require a lot of physical activity. Action. Yeah, because if you're at burnout, you might just need to be in a receptive. We're like a battery with that plus and that minus side. And then we need to recharge too, like recharge that battery, like go out and walk or go get exercise is always really, really good and healthy. Or painting or for Allie, it will be music, like getting her guitar out or or just singing in the shower really loud. (laughs) Yeah. Because we've also talked about how like energy stays inside your body and Mm -hmm. like it remembers and it's the same thing with like uh, adrenaline trauma. Um, It's the same thing with joy as well is is that our body has memory inside of it. And I think that um, (laughs) there's like all these like body exercise and techniques that you can do that you might look at it and be like, oh, I like these look Weird. Silly. I, I feel then silly doing that. <laughs> Find your own power right? ballad. And it's funny because when we, when we take our bodies to a certain vibration, 
it releases, right? It's, it's that, you know, that adrenaline. Sometimes it is going out uh, somewhere and just screaming your head off. Like there's such a release. That's why crying is, is also a release to that, that yeah. is that we avoid, we avoid the things or don't pay attention to um, releasing that, that negative emotion or that sadness, right? Where, you know, when we are joyful, we laugh out loud mm -hmm. or we smile or we, ah! you know, like it, it's actually vocal when we are joyful. And yet when we are sad, we try to hold it in. And I think that being able to release joyfully, I, I think is, is also permission to be able to release when we are sad. And then we don't cover up with other things, right? <laughs> is that we're addressing the feeling that we're having. Absolutely. Because and... <clears throat> that's one of the things with trauma is when you, when you numb out, it's like a circuit breaker. You, you feel so much, it's the breaker just goes and then you feel nothing. So in order to feel joy again, sometimes we do have to go through those crying moments. We do have to feel those hard things. And then we, we, we rewire our circuit breaker and then we can feel all things in proper form. I don't know what, <laughs> but you get yeah, what I'm saying here. <laughs> I, I, I do. Like I had that experience with my, my daughter uh, who's 10 and um, <clears throat> she was kind of feeling like she, she she's going through uh, some changes and get, get the hormones going in her body. And she, she was all crabby and sad. And I said, come on, let's, uh, so she's, I've been trying to get her to watch movies with me that aren't anime, um, that, that are like movies that I love and, and like her lack of faith in me is astounding. And so I've been trying to, so I, we, we've been watching, uh, different movies that I really liked, uh, kind of growing up in, in my early twenties and thirties. Um, and so there, like I was thinking, you know, she's got this emotion and, uh, she's kind of feeling all pent up. So let's watch a stepmom with Julia Roberts. Oh, I don't she know that. Me. Tooth and nail. Well, it's, it's, it's a crying movie. It is a crying movie. Um, there is, uh, you know, <clears throat> stories of moms and there's a mom that dies and there's like a whole thing. And she just like waterworks and everything. And she was, <laughs> and I'd go to look at her. She, don't look at me. And she like, got a pillow and she's hiding and she just cried it out. And so we ended the movie and I, I just said to her, I said, how do you feel now? And she goes, I feel better. I said, that's what crying movies are all about. That's what these like movies are, are also like, they're designed to like make you feel emotion and release it. And I said, sometimes you got to watch a really good crying movie. Um, and it just makes you feel better. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. Kind of got we're, we're, try, we're, we're trying to make our way through fried green tomatoes, but she's, she's not buying it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you need to counterbalance with some anger movies <laughs> like the matrix or I don't know. Not that the matrix is an anger movie, but you know what I mean? Yeah. A lot of shooting. Some action. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I guess there is a lot of shooting in that movie. Yeah, no, I, I, I got her to watch Legally Blonde with me. Like, it's just, she's so funny because she'll, she'll fight me on all of these movies. But I'm like, no, it's really good. And she's like, it's old. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> but there's oh something goodness. to that of like being open to be exposed to something that is very different and other than you. We did that when the pandemic first started that every night one family member would get to choose a movie and nobody else, like we all just had to watch it. <laughs> and then we also had, we were like watching movies that we didn't really want to, but it kind of gave everybody a space to be like, this is my thing. And then we all got exposed to something that was very different and liked some movies and then really didn't like some movies, but got to talk about why together. Yeah. It's really, really good experience. I agree. I just, uh, I hope her attitude towards my, uh, Make choice of movies changes. I highly doubt that's going to happen. But. Well, what she says and the experience that, that you'll like, what she says and how she feels aren't always the same thing. Oh, I know. <laughs> I know. Very, very, very interesting these days. <laughs> 10 going on 19. Yeah. Yeah. The eye rolling, the sighing. So, but, and, and it's, it's, you know, talk, talk about, you know, Ego and joy with that one too is is uh, dialing it back to what she needs, right? And as a parent too, instead of reacting in anger to things, like she took my perfume and conducted an experiment in her room with a Sharpie and something about temporary tattoos and come upstairs and the perfumes everywhere. And instead of being mad, it's just kind of like, well, you're trying stuff and you're figuring it out. Please ask me next time. Yeah, there, you know what, that's, that's amazing, because there is so much joy and ego in parenting in our approach in our experience with it. And then I think maybe that's actually a good place to, to close off for the day of allowing our love to be bigger than our mad. And I know that is a huge philosophy for you and your kids. And yes. we need to incorporate that with ourselves, because there are times where we're going to get really mad that we're not where we are. We're going to get really mad that we're indulging in jealousy or anger or whatever. But our love for ourselves has to be bigger than the bigger. Mother. It was amazing to chat with you. Um, Allie is a weight loss and wellness coach. You can contact her or myself for trauma and anxiety coaching through this Instagram account or reach out through email if you're watching this on YouTube or any of the other social media platforms. We will be doing a group coaching course together in the fall and we will keep you updated on that. It will be about how to maintain the change that you desire in your life. And it will, we'll, we'll set it up like a virtual retreat, very intimate um, and a good place to build community in a safe space. I always enjoy our chats together. Me too. I've missed you, my <laughs> siren, my siren friend. Oh, it's been fun to have like a few other besties on, but you know, you you run with your crew, and I'm so happy to to be with you today. And we will see you all next week. Bye bye. Bye.